The Word of God says that we will receive praise of God. God will begin to speak forth, Our righteousness is of Him, saith the Lord. off your underwear, throw it on your face. <laughs> it, it doubles as a gas mask in case. That's what the preppers have. Okay, guys, welcome back to America for this week's show. Uh, we'll be talking to the Reverend Michael Carter a little bit later about uh, some of his biblical ancient alien stuff. Um, but first, and of course, we're going to have RPJ with us. Uh, uh, much overdue will be joining us. But first, as always, how's it going tonight, Graham? Good, buddy. I'm getting ready for a sweat lodge tomorrow. Sweet. Yeah, a new one. I haven't tried it before. I have to work in the morning. Yeah, you want to do a sweat lodge with me one day? or? Sure. All right, I'll check this one out, and then we can go one time. You'll sess it out. Sess it out. Um, so I suppose big news, we got our uh, our first donation here in Great America. <laughs> Which is kind of cool because we've never even really mentioned that uh, you can donate. So, but Uncle Dave found uh, found the button. Yeah, my Uncle Dave. Thanks, Uncle Dave. Yeah, thanks, Uncle Dave. And from what I hear, he enjoys the show. So, uh, so we appreciate it. Yeah, it's so cool. I was going to chat about him anyways because I went to uh, to see him and my cousins on my way to Paradigm. And it was pretty fascinating because we got to talk about all this stuff. Like he's, he's right into it. He's got his little um, wireless uh, speaker in there, and he listens to podcasts in his living room and coast to coast all the time. And and uh, so we were chatting about all kinds of crazy stuff. And he's a real fascinating guy. Yeah, maybe we'll have to have him on sometime. But yeah, we appreciate it. Uh, we appreciate it, Uncle Dave. Um, of course, anyone else, if you ever want to want to throw us a bone, you can do so through the website. There's a couple buttons on the home page there, so feel free. And uh, thanks. Thanks, Uncle Dave. I want to keep talking about my Uncle Dave. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> he built this house a f- quite a few years ago now, like 15 years ago, completely off the grid. Big house with a windmill, solar power, all this kind of stuff. It was awesome. I haven't seen it, but quite the quite the... Uh, Quite we should thing. outfit it with the fucking broadband tower. <laughs> Nowadays it would be. And start a fucking... And he... What, do I, you, what would you call it? <laughs> Not a cult. <laughs> <laughs> he also had a double lung transplant. And, uh, yeah, that's not, fucking yeah, crazy. Yeah, like so he had he had this girl got in an accident and uh, he got her lungs. And I, apparently she saved like nine people through organ donations and he actually had a dream about the car accident one night yeah i believe that organ memory yeah something like uh i'm an organ donor are you yeah Yeah. i want to i want to sign apparently they're going to change the law in alberta here that so that when you sign up for your license they ask you a question and you can check off yes i want to be a donor they do that with your health card oh do they on the back of your health card really you can just check it and fill out Oh, I should check so that out. So when they find you, they check your wallet, and they say, oh, slice them up. Hmm. They're apparently, they're trying to change it so that you're automatically a donor unless you say no. Pretty soon, in another, like, five, ten years, we'll just be printing shit out anyway. So. <laughs> Super lungs. 
breathe underwater. They already got that shit you can inject and breathe underwater. Hmm. Um, so uh, we might as well get to the man of the hour. How's it going tonight, RPJ? Oh, shit. Yeah. We forgot to mention uh, our Indiegogo. But for anyway, how's it going tonight, Red? <laughs> hey, hey, guys. I'm well delighted to return once more to the Great America show after something of a, a prolonged interlude. Yeah, it feels like it. Yeah, I mean, like, what, is it two weeks already? Yeah, well, I don't really count the Paradigm episode, so it's been a while. I, I guess yeah. it's been a while if you don't count that episode. Yeah, it's definitely been. If you don't count uh, our little uh, transmission from Minneapolis, then it's at least three or four weeks. Yeah, at least. Last we spoke. Yeah. With Graham's Yeti. Oh yeah! Now with his four fucking adapters, he's he, we've yet to get it to work through. I, the can't, I can't get it working <laughs> in the studio. He spent more on adapters really? than he did on the mic. <laughs> Maybe was the five D energy of Minneapolis that also fucked your microphone the same way that it fucked my cell phone. Oh, maybe yeah. I don't even think I've used it since I've been back. The vibrations. Yeah, too mm. many vibrations. I like the vibrations. I felt a lot of vibrations the other night. I went to this bass nectar concert, which is like hardcore dubstep electronic stuff. And it was crazy. The amount of you're standing like hundreds of feet away from the stage and you could feel your, the hair on your arms and your skin just tingling from the vibrations. That was very cool. Dubstep is something I haven't been able to get into. I must confess. You must fast forward. Yeah, I feel that breaks. I'm going to that period in my life where I'm no longer feel connected, connected to the the music that kids these days uh, listen to. Well, the funny thing is, I, I don't really listen to the radio, so I don't know what they're listening to either. I just find shit online now, and I kind of gravitate more towards electronic music. So seeing this this DJ live was it was pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, I like electronic music, but I like something more like. Uh, Chemical Brothers or oh, Daft yeah. Punk or something oh, like that. Dubstep, dubstep feels like too much distortion. Too. Yeah, yeah. No, I got I got Chemical Brothers and Daft Punk big time too. I love I love them. Yeah. Daft Punk, fuck <laughs> So I'm hey, does, to, yeah. No, I was gonna say, does this ever um, happen to you guys when you're listening to podcasts when you uh, when you're when they're trying to, when the people that you're listening to are trying to think of something and you know what they're talking about and you, and you wish you could call in and just say, Hey, this is the answer. And they keep thinking and thinking. So I was listening to, uh, I think it was M. or the Grayling. They're talking about, um, the internet who created the internet. And they were thinking about, uh, trying to think of a name of who it was, right? They were going through DARPA and all that. And I'm thinking ARPA, ARPA, right? Wasn't it ARPANET? So I was thinking, ARPA, 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 you guys should know this. And uh, and then as soon as they said ARPA, I looked up, and there was ARPA on this truck driving by. It was Whoa. actually like ARPA as an pack. But as soon as they said it out of the speakers, I looked up and I read it on the truck. Like, isn't that fucking weird? You know? Dar well. Darren's shaking his head over here. Like, he just doesn't even think that's anything. Well, because... Uh, Darren hasn't experienced synchronicities as much as we have. <laughs> I I don't think he has either. 
And I had oh. another one. So I was doing this. I was. I yeah, woke up. No, 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 no. The truck didn't say ARPA. I but I read ARPA. Well, yeah, but you read it wrong. It says ARPAC. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in that in that That's case, hey, cab, man. when have you seen Sorry. an ARPAC yeah, truck see, around? No, no, two against one. <laughs> it doesn't count, Dan. Man. Sorry. Well, I had another crazy one with uh, Mysterious Universe, and I was I woke up thinking of a dream how to uh, how to log your dreams and whether and, and <laughs> to figure out how you dream well, right? Like what circumstances create good dreams, right? And uh, I started mm -hmm. thinking about celestial events and stuff like that. Like maybe it has to do with a full moon or whatever. Anyways, and then MU had a big thing about it on their podcast, talking about uh, this new contraption that's going to help us uh, keep track of how we have good dreams. Uh, you're talking about the app? Yeah. That you yeah. Record dreams? Yeah, yeah. Rick, my friend Rick from the Daily Grill wrote something about that. An app to remember your dreams. He, yeah, he uh, interviewed the guy who uh, started the, the Kickstarter campaign hmm. uh, through email. And it, 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 it looks interesting, man. You know, I mean, it's it's an interesting application of the big data philosophy in order to tap into something that uh, most people really think it's uh, they they don't really pay much attention to which uh, like our dreams which is a shame thing because we still spend um, a, a great deal of our lives you know asleep and we are missing maybe we are missing some very important untapped source of information yeah i agree and i, and I heard them talking about that at, like less than an hour after i was thinking of it yeah yeah so there you go darren i'll take that one that one's acceptable the r pack truck does not count <laughs> hey arpa a-r-p-a-c i just missed the, the, the you know you're just cutting off letters to suit your synchronicity <laughs> Yeah, that's confirmation bias, man. Sorry. That's where I need my sound. I need my soundboard. So, uh, have you how you been, Red? What's uh, <coughs> what have we missed out on in the in the last little while? Well, there's been a lot of interesting news lately. You know, this I feel that this week was packed with with all sorts of interesting stories we could we could talk about for example this idea that something that even our friends in mysterious universe uh, commented upon on their last podcast that robert bigelow wants to own the moon hmm. i haven't heard that do i get a piece of that action if because isn't the moon all of ours so does he give us all each a buck or something i don't think that you has in uh, nobody has tried to well except a few cranks who have say that they, they own the moon but there are some types of uh, laws and and regulations and treaties written uh, uh, signed by by uh, by nations to establish that uh, outer space and the moon could not be claimed by any particular uh, sovereign nation, but 
does that law apply to private industries? And that's kind of a murky area right now that I feel that in the next couple of decades, lawyers are going to be very busy trying to elucidate whether someone like Robert Bigelow or his company, Bigelow Aerospace, could claim a piece of real estate in a celestial body like the moon or maybe an asteroid. Hmm. Well, America should just claim the moon right now. Well, what do the, <laughs> the Nazi bases on the dark side of the moon think about that? Well, yeah, maybe maybe they won't be too happy about Bigelow's, Bigelow's ambitions. You know, maybe the, maybe they'll start to create some shit back at his uh, infamous Skinwalker Ranch. <laughs> and then we'll have to fight the Nazis again. Yeah. Well, I guess not us, just Bigelow. I don't really, yeah, I don't maybe, really give a fuck who owns the moon because I don't really see myself getting there. Well, I think it's should some some type of uh, limitations should be established. I, I think, for example, uh, I think there are already treaties establishing that there can't be uh, any placement of weapons either on orbit, and I hope I hope also on the surface of the moon. Uh, I think that public corporations should try to, to keep with that policies. Yeah, also, I, I agree with that. What you got to do is you got to trick them into thinking that they can own it until they develop the technology and then say, no, we were just kidding. You can't have that. What were you? Come on. It's kind of it's kind of depressing if you think about it to think that, to, to consider that maybe the first real viable and operational uh, colony on the moon is going to be uh, run by a by a private enterprise, right? You know, it's like it, it reminds me of the movie Fight Club. <laughs> you remember that first part where they they, they talked about how the corporations was going to uh, own like planets, and this, sooner or later you're going to have uh, the Microsoft Galaxy or the Google Nebula or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of depressing to think that we're going to go into that kind of uh, that kind of future like the one portrayed in the movie uh, Blade Runner, you know, with the Tyrell Corporation being much more powerful than sovereign nations. Although, well, if you think about it, you know, with a very uh, honest eye, it's already the case right now. Yeah, you're probably right. I think it it's inevitable that we're going to go that way. But the funny thing is, I don't even ah, usually think about that. Come, it'll all come crumbling. That's down what I was just going to say is I think I keep thinking that it's just, it's not going to get there because it's going to collapse first, but we're almost there already. So it's already starting to collapse. Yeah, but it'll take uh, a couple back, decades to ripple through. Getting back to the uh, Robert Bibolo and I don't know if you guys remember this, the, the, the TV program with Jesse Ventura when he discussed the Skinwalker Ranch. And they ended the, the show uh, talking about all sort of crazy, wacky conspiracy theories that uh, Robert Bigelow knew about uh, the intentions of the aliens that they wanted to invade the Earth 
show the real purpose for, for his uh, floating space hotels was that it would work as some kind of I don't know escape path, you know, refugee. So he will kind of, he will survive some con some kind of future uh, alien invasion or holocaust, which it, honestly it sounds completely ludicrous, but maybe with this new announcement of his intentions to try to to establish some kind of uh, lunar facility those types of conspiracy theories will be even more uh, exacerbated i wonder how long till there's like a fucking pepsi logo like how moment? it'll change from a pepsi logo one night to uh, you know whoever the highest bidder satellite wise or moon wise you could even like propose on the moon so you just look at the full moon one night and it's like will you marry me fucking yada 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 like in the movie uh, Hancock? <laughs> yeah, yep, just like that. <laughs> exactly. Need a Hancock. That's a fucked up thing to say. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what else you got for us? Let's see what else. We, let's, let's talk something more uh, uplifting. I don't know if you guys saw this very cool story about this kid, uh, uh, Miles. He's a five-year-old who's fighting leukemia and the Make-A-Wish Foundation uh, grant him his wish. He, 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 what he wanted to do is fight, is fight crime like his hero Batman. So the, the Make-A-Wish Foundation turned San Francisco into Gotham City for this kid. And they... Uh, had the assistance of thousands of volunteers who helped make Miles' wish, you know, of becoming a, a crime fighter. Uh, true, you know, he uh, he received, I think, the 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 key of the city from the mayor. He helped uh, save uh, a damsel in distress who had been kidnapped by the by the Riddler. He captured the penguin. You know, and everywhere, everywhere he went, you know, he was greeted and cheered by, by thousands of of, of people, you know, hanging, uh, having banners in the air, you know, his thank you, bad kid. I mean, he even received a, a, a message from the from President Obama. Yeah, I seen that in that Lamborghini, the Bat Lambo. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, you you read these kinds of uh, stories, and you're. Um, your uh, hope for mankind is restored. <laughs> Especially because so many people get involved. Exactly. Willingly, willingly. Volunteering. Uh, volunteering to try to, to make the, the, the illusion of this little kid come true, you know. And I think the best part of the story is that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think his, his cancer is in remission. Apparently so, yeah. I think that he's now, uh, for his the first time in his life, uh, going to kindergarten. Wow. So um, here in Great America, I think it's safe to say that we wish Miles a full recovery, you know, so that one day he may really become <laughs> a true uh, caped crusader. 
I wonder if the endorphins and just, you know, the overwhelming feelings of good and shit while he was, you know, on his little crusade, you got to wonder what effect that plays. Plays. I don't I don't know, you know, like the laughter is the best medicine sort of thing. I'm sure that it is a very positive effect on his immune system, you know? Yeah. The overall, uh, you know, the feel good and all the excitement that he's received. I'm sure that it will... Uh, help him uh, fight uh, his illness. Yeah, we wish Miles all the best from Grimerica, mm -hmm. from the Igloo. Yeah. Speaking of uh, illnesses like cancer, did you guys uh, re re read about this news about the comedian Andy Kaufman who supposedly faked his own death? Actually, uh, you broke up there. I couldn't hear you. Yeah, I'm talking about you, you, you guys. Remember Andy Kaufman, the famous comedian from oh, the yeah, 70s yeah, and I heard, 80s. I heard a bit about that. Yeah, now, yeah. Jim so Carrey play him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in the movie Man, Man, uh, yeah, Man, Man on, the, on Moon. the Moon. Yeah, yeah. Which I actually, I actually like uh, Carrey's uh, performance in that movie. But anyway, so the idea is that in this this week. Andy Kaufman's brother, uh, Michael, I think he's called, he came up on, uh, in New York with a woman who said that she was the, the daughter of Andy, uh, of Andy Kaufman, at, that Andy supposedly had faked his, his own death because he was tired of, uh, of being in the, in the public life. He was tired of his, of his career, so he, he wanted to get out. He wanted to to become anonymous and apparently he had succeeded to do so and he had managed to raise this woman and he uh, was very happy but now i'm reading this uh, article on the los angeles times from today and apparently michael kaufman is now saying that he was the victim of a hoax Interesting. Yeah. So, so he's dead again? See, so yeah, apparently he's, he's still dead. And although I think that Tony Clifton is still performing in Las Vegas now uh, uh, from time to time. Hmm. That's sad if people are hoaxing that kind of shit, eh? Like, what, what, what purpose is that? Yeah, well, if you remember, you know, Andy Kaufman was famous for for making those kinds of outrageous, even sometimes even distasteful jokes, you know? So maybe his brother, to, to for his brother to think that he actually faked his own death wasn't actually that outrageous, you know, that out of the question. <clears throat> the most interesting thing about it is that he, uh, that he and his parents, he they saw the, the, uh, the body of Andy on the coffin uh, and so he thought that maybe Andy had used some kind of uh, meditation technique in order to you know uh, uh, control uh, his breathing and all that because Andy Kaufman was uh, uh, very interested in uh, Eastern philosophy and meditation something that was portrayed also in the movie Man of the Moon with uh, Drew Carey 
you, you, you if you guys remember that i can't really remember much of that movie actually to tell you the truth yeah well you should check it out one of these days you know netflix or whatever it i think it's a very good movie <laughs> so you must have heard about our uh, our probably now viral mayor there down the road over in toronto <laughs> Oh, have I? <laughs> it's, like, it's like the most interesting news of all November. Yeah, actually, uh, I think the news today was they stripped him of his power. Mm. And he says he's suing and he's running again in April. <laughs> well, I wish him all the best. Actually, you know, the last I heard, his approval rating was up. Yeah, I heard, I heard he saved them millions of dollars over there. He's cutting through unions and and uh, creating some some increased productivity in a province that is having a tough time from all the you know the change in the automobile industry and all that. I remember that I was uh, talking about this very issue with our friend Michael. I don't. I hope he's hearing this right now. Uh, the famous uh, Red Bull guy. Yeah. Slow down on the Red Bulls, man. <laughs> yeah. So he's from Toronto, and we were discussing this, and obviously he was annoyed about the fact that this man was still in office. But then I asked him, well, let's be honest here, man. Has he done, leaving aside the scandal and all the, the, the terrible thing that you have a, 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 a man smoking crack uh, running your government, but has he actually done a good job? <laughs> and Michael asked, answered that. I, he really wasn't that that uh, that of a mayor, you know. So I think that it reminded it reminded me of uh, Silvio Berlusconi in, in Italy. You know, there he also was uh, the center of a lot of scandals back in the day. But people started to pay attention to the scandals only when the Italian economy started to deteriorate. You know, before that, people really didn't give a fuck <laughs> if if Berlusconi had his all these orgies with uh, underage prostitutes and whatever. You know, and it's only when things start to directly affect you in your pocket, then then you are looking for 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 blood and you're looking for to uh, remove these guys from office. Hmm. Have you seen all the? The dealership signs in uh, Toronto, the Ford dealer, it says Ford dealer. And then there's a little thing that says not related on the bottom. <laughs> oh, Ford's loving that. What I'm saying is that in Tor if, in if Toronto was in some kind of recession right now, this guy will not be in office. I mean, he will be in, in jail most likely. But since the economy is more or less... Uh, running okay, you know, it's healthy. That's why these... Uh... Hello? Hello? Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we can now. We can now. Okay, did you lose me? Yeah, we did for a bit. I think your point was that just it, now that the economy is doing okay, that he's, he's still uh, got a decent approval rating. But it'll be interesting to see what happens if uh, if he does run again or if he if he has to, uh, you know, admit that he's had a problem and he's got to clean up. Like, it'll be interesting to see where this goes, actually. 
Yeah, it's interesting, you know. I mean, uh, Chris Farley. Yeah. Don't know much about Canadian politics, you know. I don't know if how to compare this this guy or uh, with other uh, Canadian majors, whether really the the bottom of the of the opinions or maybe he wasn't he's still you know in the middle compared with uh, with other politicians i don't know you guys have to tell me that well he's definitely the first one to be caught you know buying drugs and smoking crack mm -hmm. and drinking and driving yeah it's not just marijuana this is getting pretty hardcore so mm -hmm. i will see what happens Power to him. <laughs> I don't think he'll win, but whatever. It's his right to run. So, uh, uh, right now he's he's no longer mayor. He's still mayor, but uh, something about he's got he's lost most of his power. So he can't do a bunch of the things he used to be able to do, or like, sign off on certain things. Well, I think he, he lost some of his budget money and the deputy mayor is spending it now. Well, I'm sure that if he still can, is able to buy his crack, then <laughs> he won't be so annoyed about that. Yeah, well, he's ultra-rich anyway, right? Like, I think his, really? his dad's company does like $100 million a year in sales or something like that. Oh, so another comparison with Berlusconi, who was a media tycoon before he became prime minister. Yeah, he's loaded. That's interesting. Anyway, that's kind of off topic, I guess, anyway. But uh, what else? What are, You got any more uh, doozies for us? For example, let's, let's seg, uh, use this as a segue for... Uh, in our next news because one of the most interesting things about this sports scandal was that the guy had the goal to say that he never lied about the fact that he he smoked cracked he, he he i think he went to say on to say to a journalist that well you didn't ask the right question you asked whether i was an addict and i and i told you that i was an addict but that doesn't mean that i never smoked cracked so the guy became, you know, like the Riddler or something. So anyway, my point, uh, it, it's it's interesting because uh, this week, Google apparently announced or filed a patent for something that it will be some kind of tattoo, a neck tattoo that will serve as a lie detector. Ah. You know, yeah, it's interesting. You know, I don't because, like the or, sounds oh, of that at like all. Like it changes colors or? I don't know. Let me see. Uh, the electronic skin tattoo can further include a galvanic skin response detector to detect skin resistance of a user. It's contemplated that a user that may be nervous or engaging in a speaking falsehood may exhibit different galvanic skin response than a more confident, truth-telling individual. So, well, so... Maybe this won't be so much as a lie detector or something that will uh, detect whether someone is getting nervous uh, during an interrogation. 
And you, we all know that even lie detector tests can be uh, can be beat if you are able to keep your cool and all that. But it's interesting, you know. There's so there was also an announcement from Motorola that they were also trying to 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 the, to file a pe- patent for uh, also a Nectar too, but this one will use, will be used as a microphone. So something that instead of trying to to use your smartphone, you know, and to try to get the, the device closer to your mouth, and maybe there's a lot of background noise. So this tattoo will be able to carry out your voice direct, directly to the smartphone or something from, like from that. From your skin, like going right to your skin or something. Yeah, so they lined up at the stalls and they'll be like, yes. Get back in line number forty seven. Go get your fucking <laughs> neck tattoo and your your fucking implant. I know. How long before you're like when you're born you get your tattoo? Now we know if you're lying to us or fucking, yeah. you know, never lie to your government. You get a tattoo yeah. that actually just like transmits its reaction constantly to the government. Or another hundred years it'll be like you never lie to Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> the whole plan is just Walmart. Walmart doctor, Walmart fucking everything, man. That'll be it. No Walmart, man. By and large, didn't you see Wally? Wally? Yeah, the Wally, where everything was uh, owned by this. Hello? Yeah, the, the uh, you guys remember the movie Wally by Pixar? The, the yeah, Wall E. Sorry, man. <laughs> I was thinking Walmart. Wall <laughs> E. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, I like that movie. You didn't have any much success in the United States. I think that because they didn't appreciate the fact that this little robot was making fun of them. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah, the it's, fact that their their grand great 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 grandchildren were going to become these uh, fat blobs that wouldn't be able even to walk. Oh yeah, that was funny. Yeah, it probably didn't have CIA endorsement that one. Oh yeah. So do you got anything else? What else? What else? Well, you guys uh, know that uh, I'm very excited about the prospect of uh, the 3D printing technology, that it's going to change our world and our lives uh, faster than we are, we will ever realize. And there was this announcement made by the Smithsonian Muse- Museum that people will be able to um, print out uh, some of the artifacts that they have in their collection. Like, for example, uh, a model of, uh, I think, uh, the skeleton of a mastodon. And also, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the the death mask uh, of uh, Abraham Lincoln. So I think that's, that's very cool, you know, the idea that... Uh, Ten, 10 years ago, we were all very excited to the, from the fact that uh, you could get access to the uh, to the books uh, in in digital format uh, from 
uh, libraries uh, all over the world, you know, and you could print it on your home using your uh, your own printer. And maybe this is like the next the next progression, you know, the next step that maybe if there's some, some cool artifact maybe in the museum in Cairo, you know, some some kind of uh, uh, statue or something that was gathered from King Stut's town. King, King Tutankhamun's tomb or whatever that you could uh, from your home you could uh, print a replica of that artifact so you could see it and appreciate it and touch it and, hmm. and have it in your home. So when are, when are you going to be able to use Wouldn't your iPhone and uh, hang, on, hang on when are you going to be able to use your iPhone and take a video of something and just text it to your 3D printer and print it up hmm, that's a good question i think that you will need something that will be able to scan your face from multiple angles that'll be on a g phone a j phone when, yeah, they, when so, they run out of fucking numbers to put after the eye <laughs> yeah so unless you're you're willing to take like three thousand photographs of your face from every every single angle possible i don't think you don't think they'll do able... it by video um no because you use the, the video is taken from a camera you know from a from a lens that it's only uh, pointed at from one single position in space so you need that in order to have an accurate a three-dimensional representation of a given volume, you know, but the topology of an object, you need uh, more information. You need several, several vantage points, you know, from which you can observe an object. Hmm. That's interesting. What would you print from the Smithsonian in your home? I wouldn't print nothing. They Why keep, not? <laughs> the giant skeletons that they keep in, uh, hidden inside their balls, man. Yeah, the giants. That's what I would print. I'd have a big <laughs> fucking giant at my door. Exactly. fucking my doorstep. I don't know. I'd have to look around. Maybe a big dinosaur egg. Yeah, or, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, a Tyrannosaurus uh, skeleton would be way cool. Even if it took you years to print out. <laughs> it's been going in the living room. Your, your little spare rooms had a three printer going for <laughs> yeah, a year. Yeah. It makes it sound like, remember, like the old laser printers used to make? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah, listen to that for three years. Remember when we were in the Microsoft store there at the Mall of America RPG? Yeah. That was pretty cool, eh? Yeah, well, there's yeah. There was a 3D printer in there, and it was right across the the aisle from the Apple store. Yeah, I wonder uh, when we'll start to see, uh, like, one of those uh, 3D printers in the home of every, in, in every home. Let's let's bet let's bet on it right now. What do you? How many years do you think? I say, I say, I've got five years in my head. I say five years, and we've all got a three D printer. 
yeah, five years is. I think it's a conservative uh, a shitty estimate. One. A shitty three D printer. Probably better than the better good ones they have now, but it'll be shitty then. I don't know. I think even in two years, you'll be amazed at how it's changed. Mm-hmm. I say ten. Yeah, I mean, one that only prints uh, plastic things. Yeah, five, five. It's five. It's uh, yeah, like not nothing functional, just something decorative. Yeah, yeah, like something with that could also, you know, print out like uh, uh, transistors and circuits and all that kind of shit. That will be like ten to twenty years in the horizon. Because the reason I say that is, is when we were in that store, the one we were looking at, mm-hmm. wasn't it only like fifteen hundred bucks or something like that? Yeah, I mean, you could have something like that right now if you wish to. I mean, you know, in a year it'll be nine hundred or eight hundred bucks, and it'll be like the fucking price of a TV. I think yeah. you can buy a three D printer through the website, actually. Through our website? Yeah, I'm sure that in five years from now. You could have a, one of those in like three to two hundred dollars. Go to Amazon.com through Grimerica.com. Dot ca. Uh huh. <laughs> Either or. <laughs> Either or. Go to Amazon. Buy your three D printer there, and we get a little tiny, tiny kickback. Buy a hundred three D printers, and then we'll get a three D printer. <laughs> <laughs> And then we can print Moais from, is that how you say it? Moais from our, uh, for our store. Moais, yeah. How long till I can print a cheeseburger? That's like the important question. Whoa, cheeseburger. I don't know, man. That's a la Star Trek, right? When I can say, okay, I want a fucking, a Sunday or a banana split. <laughs> I think that's that's ne- that's never gonna happen. Oh, of course it could. You just throw some little basic food ingredients in there, and it whips it's up a little bun and a right? little yeah. It comes down to it, it's just information. Yeah, obviously for sure. But uh, there are so many elements that need uh, involved in, in, in the preparation of food that I don't think it will be able to be replicated by a single machine in that in that way. The Japanese will come up with it first. I said 20 years. <laughs> no, well, the, the you won't one go thing... to the grocery store or nothing anymore. You just <laughs> it'll just re- retake shit out of the atmosphere and fucking rearrange well... it. <laughs> <laughs> one story that was really cool that I mentioned on the last red pills of the week was the idea that 3D printers will be able to uh, replace animal testing with drugs using uh, 3D printed uh, human tissue. How do, how do you check the effect on consciousness? I prefer to test on animals. Right. <laughs> it's, 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 not all, it's not only inhumane, uh, Darren, but it's also impractical. <laughs> Because all the drugs that are effective on mice or even chimps may not even may not be effective uh, when you go and, and pass to the human trials. Yeah, yeah, that's true. 
So, okay, you managed to cure Alzheimer's with a fucking mice, but you won't be able to cure your Aunt Berta. I, I, prefer, I prefer preventative maintenance. Yeah, well, everybody does, but uh, let's be honest. We, are, we all uh, make a very shitty job being uh, the caretakers of our own bodies. Yeah, for the most part. Like, for example, how many hours do you guys get to sleep on a weekly basis? Per night? Yeah, per night. Six, five and a half, maybe? I'm probably in the six or seven range. Well, it's a little, it's down a little right now. Well, usually six, it's six. seven or eight. Yeah, well, you, you are doing okay. Um, you, Graham... I'm surprised because you are the one who try to uh, keep a healthier lifestyle, but six fives, it's not enough. Does that include a nap after work? Because that would increase it to seven. Maybe, but I don't, I'm not really sure. You know, depends on really how much uh, rest you actually get during that nap. Yeah, with Zeus all over me, it's kind of hard. <laughs> I. <laughs> I usually get at least seven hours a night because I'm usually like if I'm up past 11, it's rare. It's usually when I'm publishing a podcast episode because I'm editing it until fucking one in the morning. And it's funny you mention that RPJ because it is something that's been on my mind to get more sleep. Like uh, I do have to try and increase it to seven. I was thinking seven or eight would be ideal. It's just hard to get to. It's hard to get to bed early. Mm. You just got to take it. There's a pill for that. Yeah, there's a pill for everything, and I'm not taking there's pills. A, yes, exactly. Good policy. Good on you. And this this idea of trying to solve every, everything through chemicals is stupid. Limitless. But getting to other kind of uh, great innovations, uh, great inventions, this is something that like, maybe is the greatest the greatest invention in all human history. Underwears prevented to stop parts from smelling. What takes all the fun out of it? <laughs> no, man. Do you, can you imagine how many marriages could be saved with this? I like crop dusting. <laughs> you sneak by. So what, does it come with a powder inside or something? What this say is that the flatulence filtering pants have a back panel made from cloth that incorporates a carbon-based material called, called Sorflex, a material normally used in chemical warfare suits and is capable of stopping smells 200 times stronger than the average part. So, man, this thing is like, you know, even the most noxious and smelliest fart you could come up with, you know, after gog uh, engorging yourself with a pizza and garlic and whatever you can come up with, you know, this, oh. this baby will stop it. And if you get fucking gassed, if you get gas attacked, some, the only some problem that you just throw that shit on your face, the take only off problem. your underwear, throw it on your face. <laughs> <laughs> It doubles as a gas mask in case uh, that's what the preppers have. Yeah, good idea. Eh? The, pro the only problem that uh, this thing has, you know, that 
the only thing that prevents the inventors from winning the Nobel Peace Prize is that it doesn't have a silencer. <laughs> so people will still hear you fart, even even they don't smell you. So originally I thought it was from stinky ball sweat, like trying to, to stop that, but you're talking about it just stopping a fart smell. So so where, mm-hmm. what happens to the, the smell? Then it just stays within your clothes? I think it gets neutralized. Just soaks back into your skin. Yeah, I don't know. That seems to me like you should just be able to release it, and then that's it goes away naturally, right? It doesn't get stuck on your body somewhere. Imagine if someone invented some kind of machine that will use your farts to power, you know, your TV or something like that. See, you just can't be smoking when you take off your underwear because you probably have a bunch of fucking gas in there. But I don't know how we got here. Uh... <laughs> we used to light our farts on fire as kids. Oh, my God. <laughs> we didn't even keep score. Some guys are, like, really good at it. They could just constantly just let it rip and light them on fire. Huge flames. <laughs> we call them blue angels. Like, seriously, like one or two foot flames. Bare-ass blue angels. Did you guys do that too? Oh yeah. And they you called them blue angels? Yeah. See, how does that happen? Like how do we all know before the internet when we were kids, we all knew to call fart lighting blue angels. Like where'd that come from? Some kind of stupid Jungian archetype. <laughs> <laughs> Some asshole who died a long time ago fucking started that shit. <laughs> the original blue angel. <laughs> Check this out, man. <laughs> um, I suppose on that note, we uh, we should probably look at uh, at wrapping it up. Uh, we uh, get to our chat with um, with the Reverend Michael Carter. Uh, was a was a great interview. <laughs> From first to Reverend, I like that. <laughs> Oh, I hope it's he doesn't mind. Sometimes it's best to cut your losses. The, <laughs> yeah. the Reverend and Blue Angels in the same episode. Exactly. <laughs> Pretty angelical. Yeah. Only low. <laughs> so we'd like to thank you for coming on the show, Red. And, uh, and we'll see you guys on the other side of the interview. Always a pleasure, guys. See you.
Okay, guys, uh, thanks for tuning in this week. We're going to be talking with Reverend Michael Carter. Um, you may have, may have seen him on Ancient Aliens, and he's got uh, a book, Alien Scriptures. Um, but first, as always, how's it going tonight, Graham? Hey, I'm doing good, Darren. Happy to be here. Really excited to chat with Reverend Michael Carter. It's a he's, pleasure to be here, believe me. Reverend uh, Michael Carter has been an ordained uh, interfaith minister. He's got a BA degree in letters, a master's in divinity. A, he was a staff chaplain in many hospitals. He's even trained in anti-racism. He's a weekly columnist, a diversity consultant, a contactee, and a Reiki master of various disciplines. So that's quite the... Uh, Quite the amazing bio. You're into all kinds of stuff. So I'm, you know, we're going to have lots to talk about tonight. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, and 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 I'm. I, I just want to say how grateful I am to to be on the show and uh, to have the opportunity to talk to the audience and um, just thank you. I don't take it for granted. No, that's great. We've been looking forward to this for a while. Um, so where should we start? Let's start with um, <laughs> your book, your new book, Alien Scriptures. Yes. Yeah, um, it's it looks really fascinating. I didn't have enough time to actually read the whole thing, but I'm definitely going to. So can you explain yeah. a little bit about the uh, the genesis of that? Sure. Basically, this is my hypothesis, and not the first person to have said it. Uh, there have been a few ministers who, uh, there's Barry Downing back in uh, uh, 1968, his book, The Bible and Flying Saucers, Morris K. Jessup, who died under mysterious circumstances back in the 50s, wrote a book called UFOs in the Bible. But basically, what I am positing is that, at least from my own studies and research, which includes the authors I've just mentioned, that there is a great possibility, not just in Judeo-Christian and uh, Islamic uh, uh, circles around, you know, the, the, the three monotheistic religions, other cosmologies as well, uh, uh, you know, whether it's uh, uh, First Nations people and the Star people, uh, Vimanas in the Hindu tradition, but that um, these religions, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, may have originated by contact with human beings and people from other planets. That is basically my hypothesis. I do talk about my own contact experiences, which um, were, were, the, were the motivation for me to look into all of this, but um, uh, I, I don't want to it makes me unique in a way because I not only have I, you know, have this I posit this, this this position, but also I have had my own contact experiences. But this is what I'm saying. I'm not saying that there is no God. I, what I am saying is that it's probably not a he/she kind of anthropomorphic kind of deity, and that. Uh, but I am saying that yeah, there's there's a power, uh, call it what you will, a force, uh, universal mind, intelligence, call it what you will, something greater than us, but that our religions are, I will even go as far as using the word distortions of the messages that we got from these star beings. I, I, I would even go so far as to say that if Jesus came back or Muhammad or, uh, you know, Moses, and they would look at what we've done with the messages that they gave us, I'm sure they would say, you know what, this is not quite what I had in mind. <laughs> yeah, what, what happened here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but 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 now having said that, 
you know, I, I don't want to denigrate the Bible either, uh, because the Bible, I mean, the Bible can be used to support any position we want. It was used to support slavery. It's been used to, uh, to support all our, our prejudices and, 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 and bigotry to each other. Um, it can be used for liberation, as it has been with Latino, Latino brothers and sisters in, in uh, the Southern Hemisphere and the Americas, obviously with uh, African Americans and other people of color. So, you know, we could go on and on and on. You can use the Bible to support any position you want. I'm, I'm saying that it's all of those things and that it is quite possibly a book about contacts with beings from another world who came here to help us evolve. Yeah, that's interesting. So uh, I like how you you make all three, you tie that uh, between all three of the major religions, which is good. You're not just talking about, you know, the Bible or anything like that. So yeah. so um, what are some of the the your favorite scriptures that talk about this? Okay. First of all, let me t let me let me go into why I say that I think the God that we have come to worship is an extraterrestrial. Um, and then and 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 that'll be a good story. Well, well, yeah, let me that's start good. off yeah. with this. Let me, yeah, go, let me start off with this. In 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 the book of Isaiah. Okay, in the book of Isaiah, in chapter forty, verse twenty-two, this is what is written. It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. I was taught that the people thought that the world was, was flat until Columbus. Here we have the writer in Isaiah talking about the earth being a sphere, and the Lord sits above the circle of the earth. Uh, the obvious question is, where's this person getting that information? I mean, here we have uh, someone writing five, six thousand years ago that the earth is a sphere. Okay, way before Columbus even thought about coming this way. In the Greek translation, I'm sorry, in the Hebrew translation of uh, the book of Amos, chapter 5, uh, verses uh, verse 8. Who made the Pleiades and Orion? Hmm. Who turns deep darkness into dawn and darkens day into night? Again, I have to ask, how do these people know about the Pleiades star system? Mm -hmm. How did they know about Orion? And, and, and so I started thinking about these things. Again, in the book of Job, uh, uh, chapter 38, verse 31. Can you tie cords to Pleiades or undo the reins of Orion? And so I'm starting to think, wow, this is very interesting here that we have these, these, these people talking about planets five, six thousand years ago. What got me to thinking about, uh, I mean, there are obvious examples in the Bible when the Israelites go into the land of Canaan and they kill men, women, and children because the Lord says that this land is to be yours. And of course, you have to wonder, how is this land belonging to the Israelites when the people who already live there? Sounds a lot like, you know, Columbus Day, doesn't it? And so... I look at 1 Samuel, chapter 5, and it says, The hand of the Lord lay heavy upon the Ashdodites, and he wrought havoc among them. 
You know why? Because he struck them down with hemorrhoids. Now, in the King James Version, it says boils. <laughs> King James Version is the worst version of the Bible to have because it makes Jesus and all the prophets sound like they're Shakespearean actors. But this is in the Hebrew translation of, of the book of the prophets. And in the book of Amos, the Lord gives these people hemorrhoids. That doesn't sound like a loving kind of deity, does it? In chapter 6, not only uh, the Philistines want to give back the Ark of the Covenant, because when they touch it, you know, they, people die. It's probably some type of electrical device, but what have you. And they say, how can, how can we get this curse of, off of us? And the Israelites told the Philistines, you have to make five golden hemorrhoids and five golden mice corresponding to the number of the lords of the Philistines, for the same plague struck all of you and your lords. You shall make figures of your hemorrhoids and of the mice that are ravaging your land. And so I started to figure that, again, even Ray Charles could see that this doesn't sound like a loving God. This sounds like some type of being who maybe has an anger problem. <laughs> And so, uh, and, and, then, and then I started thinking about the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night and, and, the, and the Exodus story. What's important about that gang is that because there's no Jewish religion until after the Exodus, and they're wandering around in the desert, and they're following something in the sky. And during, during the day, it's called the pillar of cloud. Now, a lot of modern-day UFO sightings, uh, uh, a lot of the UFOs either are hiding in clouds, they create this vapor to camouflage themselves, but whatever it is, they are following it. And at night, it's called the pillar of fire, which means it glows. And if it's glowing and they're following it, it that's the definition of an, of an unidentified flying object. It's in the air and it's moving intelligently. And this is, this is what's happening in the Bible. This is what Moses and the Israelites are following. And so, you know, then you go into Ezekiel and, the, and, 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 and Elijah and the, yes, and the flying chariots. And it, this is clearly, at least in my mind, referring to some high strangeness, some high technological uh, uh, feats going on here, and it's starting these religions. The other thing in Genesis 6, when the, uh, uh, you know, when, when, when the Elohim, and Elohim means plural, so it means more than one. So these gods, Elohim means more than one. So the gods say, not the Lord says, the gods, plural, say, let us make man in our image. Now, there are some extraterrestrials who are more anthropomorphic. We're told, Jesus says, that people worship God in spirit and in truth. This is what he says to the Samaritan woman at the well. So if we worship God in spirit, well, spirit is formless. So we may not be created in the image of God, because the God, if you want to use that word, this, this, this deity, this intelligence is formless. But we may be made in the, in, in the image of some of these extraterrestrials who I believe had a hand in creating us.
So that's some of my presence. I mean, uh, premise. I mean, I could go on. I talk about the star of Bethlehem in the book. Uh, we know that stars do not fly across the, the sky and stop over mangers and shine lights down on people. We know that that does not happen. Why? Because if a star did that, it would change the whole gravitational pull of this planet. And you want to talk about tsunamis and earthquakes. Yes, but, but you know, I mean, I mean, if a star, you know, did that, but stars don't hover over mangers and shine lights down. But this craft did. This craft did, and Jesus in in the Gospel of Mark says clearly, you, you know, uh, 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 you are from below, I am from above. My kingdom is not of this world. I mean, his whole way of thinking was foreign to us. Remember, the Jews thought that they were going to have the Mashiach, the Messiah is going to come, and we're going to kick Rome's butt. They've been oppressing us, as well as the Babylonians had, and the Persians, and and Jesus was talking about more of a spiritual government. He was talking about a reign over the hearts and minds of human beings. He was, he didn't come here to kick Rome's butt. Mm -hmm. So when you look at it in this context, it's really littered with, with, um, with verses and with uh, <clears throat> scriptures I, I, yeah, about, that I, could be I, I, looked at. I, I think it is. I think it is. And I think more and more people think it is, which is why Ancient Aliens is doing so well. But, I mean, all cosmologies, whether it's the Aborigines in Australia, whether it's the Mexicans, uh, you know, and the Yucatan Peninsula, where the Olmecs and the Mayans were, the Aztecs, they all talk about whether it's, it's First Nations people talking about what they refer to as the star nations or the star people. All of these cosmologies say that we, uh, uh, the wisdom that we have come, come from the beings from the stars, whether it's the ancient Egyptians. I mean, there's no civilization on this planet that does not have a cosmology or a creation story where they were coming from the stars. Yeah, you wonder when we're going to start paying attention to that. I think we do. I just think it's been a secret. I mean, there are other governments, Belgians, of course, Mexico has been on the cutting edge of this for uh, uh, decades now, and they come out and, and they, they clearly talk to their, uh, they, they're not hiding anything, they, they come out and admit that, 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 that there are UFOs in the sky, that these beings are from other worlds. It's only the United States yeah, who true. says that we don't, that's not true. And to, and to show you that it's not true, we have tons and tons of classified documents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the, even the yeah. South American governments are opening up too? Yeah, they've been doing this for a long time. Uh, but, but we, you know, we have top secret files on things that don't exist. And in some ways, I mean, it's frustrating, but people don't realize that's what governments do. Governments lie. <laughs> that, that's the job of governments. They have to lie. Otherwise, they can't stay in power. I mean, no one wants to hear that, and no one wants to admit that, but that's what governments do. They keep secrets. They keep secrets. So you, you don't let this, uh, this whole materialistic, dogmatic, skeptical kind of area of our culture bother you at all, obviously. Well, it's not that it doesn't, it's not that it, it doesn't bother me, but, you know, I'm an old 12-stepper. <laughs> and uh, you Me know, too. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, and so come on, you know, God, it's the serenity prayer. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I can't change. There's certain, there's certain things I can't change, 
I can change the way I react to them. It's just having the wisdom to know the difference. And so, uh, sure, it bothers me, and I will speak. I, I speak my piece about this, but um, I don't. I don't let it keep me from enjoying my life. And the things that I'm sharing with you tonight, and we'll talk more probably about the contact and that kind of thing. I still know that you don't have to be contacted by a being from another world to realize that we need to learn how to love. You don't, you don't have to have a visit uh, from, some, from, some, from elsewhere for that. But I also know that as crazy as the world seems, it's a beautiful world. And I have a lot to be thankful for. I've got my health. I've got a, a, a lovely family. I've got a job. I mean, I mean, it sounds cliche, but it's easy to forget these things when you get so caught up into how things should be. Yeah, I, you know, as opposed to how things are. No, I ask that question because I, I kind of deal with that myself. I, I, uh, yeah. I go back and forth between, well, I don't go back and forth. I mean, I try and accept, uh, well, I do I accept things the way they are, but I get, I do get irritated with, uh, you know, the dogmatic skeptical movement. And sometimes I just have to step back and go, okay, like just don't even focus on that then because there's enough, uh, enough good things going on right now. I agree. And you know what? People have a right to be as happy or as miserable as they want to be. That is their right. And, and I just have to remember that because it's easy to become intolerant of intolerance. Yeah. And that's just doing the same thing. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, you know, I'm intolerant of intolerance. Uh, and so, but that's part of the spiritual journey, isn't it? To, to, to work with the human ego, to, to be able to have humor about it, to be able to laugh when you fall down and pick yourself up, to not take yourself, oneself too seriously. This is, this is, this is the journey. This is what it means to be a human being on planet Earth. Um, did you, did you experience much blowback? Like, um, like I'm assuming you were you were a reverend probably before you had your experience and started going down these these kind of fringe avenues. Um, did you have any blowback in your community? Like, what, what were the ramifications, I suppose, of of your, the, your quest? I did not because all of this happened at the same time I was uh, doing my seminary training. You know, in, in the very beginning. Now. Um, I thought I would get blowback. I love that CIA term. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> but uh, but I know you know it's it's what goes around comes around. Um, but I I thought I would get more blowback, but I didn't. For instance, this book is the culmination of my master's thesis. The only difference is I added my own personal contact experiences, but this was way after. I didn't put those in my master's thesis, obviously. I was still very closeted about that. But I thought I would get more blowback than I did. But as a matter of fact, uh, my professors, two of them that wanted me to stay on for a Ph.D. in systematic theology, they supported me so much, and I'm always grateful to Union Theological Seminary in New York City, one of the top seminaries in the country. I'm very proud to say I've attended there, but uh, but uh, I'm also very proud to say that they were open-minded enough to say to take it seriously enough, because many seminaries would be like, "Are you kidding me? UFOs in the Bible?" That's what you expect to write and get out of here with? I don't think so. Yeah, like um, that would almost be blasphemies. And so, yeah, exactly. And so. 
Exactly. Now, I remember when I first became a Unitarian Universalist and a good friend of mine in her car, we were up in Boston, and I trusted her, and I, we were good friends, and I did say to her, uh, I, I brought up some of these views, <laughs> pardon me, and uh, I remember her saying, she said, Michael, I, I, I love you, I, I, I believe you. She said, but if you want to be a minister in this denomination, don't ever tell anybody that story again. <laughs> okay? But... That's 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, it's changed. But, you know, people, uh, uh, someone from my congregation bought my book the other day, told some other people about it. People come up to me after church and say, I saw you on Ancient Aliens, and they don't bat an eye. And I'm, I'm, I'm I mean, what a difference 15 years makes. Yeah, I totally agree. Even the last five five years, even, I think it's just opening up quite a bit. It really is. It really, really is. And uh, I think it's going to open up more. So listening to you uh, on a couple uh, previous interviews, um, I just noticed you're, you seem very, for being a reverend, people would be surprised at how spiritual you are. Like you, you seem a little bit more, um, like how do I say, spiritual versus kind of religious. And I am, and, and, and I want to be clear, I, they can sometimes be the same thing, and sometimes they can't be. Uh, yeah. uh, I know some very religious people who I count as friends, and they have a lot of integrity, and they're very open. I know a lot of people who are religious and are intolerant. I know many people who are spiritual and are intolerant, but they do it in such a spiritual way you don't really catch it. <laughs> <laughs> But, so, okay. you know, I, I, I am more of a, I guess when I say spiritual, I'm, I'm using it in the, in the, in the, in the sense the way M, uh, M. Scott Peck talks about in your inner life, cultivating an inner life. You know, that's, that's how I, when I use the word, that's what I'm, that's what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. My inner life, my, my inner convictions, my, my inner conscience, my inner conscience. Higher self kind of thing. Yes. So when you, uh, when you so, so called came out of the closet as a contactee, was it, was it in your book? Was it the first time you kind of went public when you, uh, what what happened? What good question. You're asking me some wonderful questions. What had happened with this? Um, this is the second edition of a book, but I've added more to it. As you, you know, I've, I've written about the Quran, so there's some UFO references in the Quran that are in the book. Uh, and I also wrote about my own, the lessons I've learned from my contact experiences. Um, but I, 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 I just try to, um, be as down to earth as possible, you know, in, in writing about this stuff. And, and again, you know, like I'm not on some messianic mission, uh, you know, I'm not hearing voices. It's just that this is what's happened to me and, um, it's happening to many people. You know, we still have to, I still have to get up tomorrow morning and brush my teeth and, uh, get to work. Um, and as a matter of fact, the support group that I was in in New York, that's one of the reasons I left it, 
was because, yes, this is, I mean, to be contacted from beings from another place, another world, another civilization, it's, it's the greatest thing that's happened to me. Um, it's, it's right up there with the birth of my daughter and getting married. However, um, one has to go on with the business of life. I have to pay my rent. My my landlord doesn't want to hear I'm an ancient alien. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, okay, great. Do you have rent? You know, you got to give me something. I know that wasn't the question you asked, but I just wanted to get that. Yeah, in there. no, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Pardon me. I, I have a post nasal type allergy, so you may hear me hacking. <laughs> that's okay. In the background, yeah. So so um. So when was that then that you kind of decided to uh, kind of leave that support group and then come sort of bring it out in the open a little bit? Okay. Thank you for reminding me of the question. Okay. Um, um, my first publisher was a little mom and pop publisher out in Arizona, Blue Star Publications. And, um, you know, they, they retired. They weren't making any money with the books and what have you. But she encouraged me. Uh, her name was Barbara. And she said, Michael, you must tell your story as well. She said, that's what's going to um, draw people in. And I was like, really? And she said, really? <laughs> and it was just that simple. I just took her advice. And I just added that to the book. And um, lo and behold, it's, uh, it's been successful that way. Um, I, I was afraid. How long ago was that? That was about four or five years ago. Wow. <laughs> me. Yeah, it was about, it, had, it was at least four years ago, because this is the second edition of the book. Mm -hmm. And... Um, it's a much much better edition. It's much more well uh, edited. Again, there are different chapters, and now I added a whole chapter on the Quran mm -hmm. and a chapter on uh, my own contact lessons, which is not in the first book. Um, there are pictures in this book. Um, I'm very proud of it. So no regrets about uh, coming out? No, um... My hesitancy is not that there are regrets. You know, I had some friends who worked for the government when I was in New York, and, you know, my phone was tapped and those kinds of things. And um, some, I, I, I caught some people following me once in a van. Not that, again, not that I'm that important or what have you, but, I mean, I'm sure everybody on Ancient Aliens is, is being watched. I mean, you know, the government just likes to know what's going on. It's like when you go to a MUFON conference or, you, go, you know, believe me, there are going to be government operatives there just, you know, just to, to know what's going on and who's saying what. So, so and uh, that, that was a little unnerving at first, but no, nah, I don't have any regrets. So, so you feel it was the government and not the real men in black? No, I'll give an example. A friend of mine worked for the government, and I actually hear all this stuff on my phone. And um, I told my friend about it in New York. This was, my God, 15 years ago. And they said, well, let me get back to you. And uh, he gave me three numbers to call. And the numbers were numbers that if I called one number and I got a busy signal, I, I, I could call one number 
and I would get in this busy dial tone or whatever. But basically, they could let you know there was a number I could call, and I could find out if I had a government tap, a local tap, you know, or state tap, you know, and, and, and I had all of those on my phone in New York. I'll give you an example of an incident. I used to live on West 81st Street in Manhattan between Central Park West and Columbus. And I lived all over Manhattan, but um, this is what's happening at that time. A friend of mine from my UFO support group had borrowed a book from me. And it was a rainy day. It was quite chilly. And I remember him saying, well, I'll meet you. Where should I meet you? I'll meet you halfway. So I said, meet me um, on 71st I'm sorry, 72nd and Broadway, in front of Gray's Papaya. It used to be a hot dog stand there. I had the best hot dogs there. <laughs> and anyway, so I walked down there to meet him. I'm anal. I get places early. Military parents, I guess. And so there's a van in front of me that I don't pay any attention to too much, but there's a van, and um, it's got this huge antenna on the back of it. And I'm standing on the corner waiting for him, and I noticed that the people in the van, there was two guys in the van, they pointed at me and they started talking. And one guy gestured again, but they didn't see that I saw them. And it just made me very paranoid. And um, I said, well, I don't see a license number on the, a license plate on this van or whatever. So I walked around the side and I didn't see any uh, uh, license uh, identification on the van. And I'm like, well, where's my friend? What time is he? And so basically after about 10 or 15 minutes, they were whispering and pointing. I walked over to the van and it sped off. <laughs> it sped off. And because um, I was just like, well, look, let's let's stop the games. I mean, well, but how did these people? They must have been listening to my call. They were right there when I got there. Mm. And um, and then my friend came. I gave him the book. It was a UFO book, and it was something on UFOs and the government, and blah blah blah. And then that was it. So you know, the, you know, it was, you know, I, again, I'm not some big threat or what have you, but. Well, now all our phones are tapped, aren't they? Uh, <laughs> no matter what we're talking about, we just heard last week that uh, the president, the chancellor of Germany, and president of Mexico were very angry with Mr. Obama uh, and the NSA about having their phones tapped. So, you know, we're, we're even more big brother-ish now than we were back then. But certainly, you know, you're talking about UFOs and the government. Uh, people will pay attention. Yeah, I'm sure we've got a few... Uh... Spooks People will pay listening attention. to the Grimerica show once in a while. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, it, it's just a fact of life. It's just a fact of life. So you know, I have a family now and that kind of thing, and and I'm not saying anything bad about the government except that they lie. Uh, but uh, you know, no, no harm, no foul. But it's it's you know, it's just. I don't know what's more of a shame that I'm so nonchalant knowing that my privacy is being invaded or that, you know, I just don't care. Well, I, th I think it comes back to some spiritual principles like acceptance. Like, I mean, really, th there's not too much you can do about it. So you're either you're not going to you're either going to worry about it or you're just going to sort of uh, exactly. yeah, kind of accept it. Look, this that's, type that's of stuff is going to happen. That's very well put. Yeah, it's an acceptance. Um. So that's when I, uh, just a few years ago, I really came out of the closet with that. And I've just been very bold about it. Again, uh, you know, someone bought the book yesterday from my denomination, 
and they were like, well, I can't. They, they called me today at church, and they said, well, Reverend, I, I can't say I, it's very strange. I said, I know it's high strangeness, and I'm not asking you to believe it. She said, well, it's a great book, and it's a page turner, and we'll talk more about it. But that's the kind of openness. That's all you can ask for. have a hard time or, to, or did you struggle with with what to call that like do, did you think do I call that like am I a contactee is it uh, am no, I an no, abductee I or is it just no, like no, I didn't channeling or, words. Yeah. I didn't that's a great question I didn't want to use the word abductee because I did not feel that I was abducted Yeah. now I know people who've had you know the really bad experiences with a particular kind of, uh, with a particular race of visitors. Yes, they're just like the human beings. There are some people out there who are less evolved. I did not have those. The only fright that I got was the fright of waking up and my doors are locked and my windows are closed and there's someone in my room. That that's the only fear. I mean, I mean that'll stop your heart. Yeah, that's a little. As startling. far as you know, um, sperm taken, or maybe if I was a woman, over, um, you know, just treated roughly or what have you. I mean, there were certain boundaries I had to set, but I just didn't have those kinds of experiences. And and I I have seen two distinct races. One has been reptilian, and one is um, they're chalk white. They have the pear-shaped heads. They're they're like four, three to four feet tall, almost childlike, and but they're chalk white. They're like and they the, have the, the gray, you know, grays in a in a suit. But they weren't gray. Yeah, in a white suit. Yeah, yeah. they had a very metallic like suit on, and they've been um, very. Uh, They've been my friends in, in, in a lot of ways. Um, uh, I, I hear I have friends in Europe, and they say that the Nordics types are the kind that they see a lot. They see grays, but and, and, and you know they're more human-looking um, visitors in, in Europe. And I haven't seen those as yet. The, the kind that you know we, we could be standing next to one in an elevator and we wouldn't even know. Yeah, it would just seem a bit um, weird, but a little off, yeah, I mean, but so, you wouldn't really know. Yeah, it's, it's so many different races and species that just like it is with human beings. And so, um, and some are more evolved and some are less evolved. The, the, the beings that I have interacted with, um, 
from my limited perspective, have been here to help us evolve. Spiritually um, or yeah. physically? Spiritually. Yeah. Spiritually. Uh, the, you know, and because right now we have all this technology, but it, our spirituality hasn't caught up with the technology, which is why we're going to blow ourselves up eventually. Um, if we don't really find other ways to deal with our differences, of course, not to mention the way we treat our planet. Now, other people may say, well, I've run into some who are hell-bent on taking over this planet. Well, okay, I'm, I'm certainly not going to take that away from you. But it, it, my opinion is if they wanted to take this planet over, it could have been done very easily a long time ago. Yeah, that's that's kind of the way I see it, too. Yeah. So what, what about um, this hybridization program people are talking about? What do you think about that? Well, you know, I... Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, uh, I, I think that anything is possible. Um, you know, I, that could be part of our evolution. It may not be. I, I, I think that there's a more sinister um, uh, probably uh, part of some of the stories that we hear. But I think they're sinister in the sense of, I don't want to say that use the word as hyperbole, it's sinister because it involves our military. Yeah, the my labs and all that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and our military, I mean, we get, you know, with this technology, we just want to, you know, we just want to make weapons. We, we just want to make weapons, man. We don't want to, we don't want to find out how we can use free energy. No. <laughs> we don't want to lie. We don't want to do that. There's too much money in this. We don't want to know how, how maybe we can cure some of these diseases that we have because this, let me tell you, if you and I came up with a cure for cancer tomorrow, we would be in big trouble because we'd be taking money away from a lot of people. Yeah. And I hate to say that, but we would. We would we would be in big trouble if 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 if, if, if I went out here and and prayed over some people or did some space reiki on some people and their cancer went away and this happened, you know, more often than not, I'd have a problem. <laughs> okay, I want to hear more about the space reiki because I was going to bring this up. I uh, I took my levels one and two reiki this year. And, uh, oh, you know, it, it, yeah, and it opened me up quite a bit. It was fantastic, yes. fantastic experience. So I wanted yes. to, I wanted to talk to you about that too. You're a Reiki master in a couple different disciplines, but I haven't uh, necessarily heard of the space Reiki. I mean, I'm just well, kidding. I'm just know, kidding. This, I'm just kidding. No, no, let me tell you, I, I just call it space Reiki because, you know, I, I had, um, when, when I started having all these visitations, I was very heavily into metaphysics. Yeah, and um, which I still am in, in a different way than I was, you know, in my in my uh, late twenties, early thirties. Um, I, I call it space reiki is because every time I have a, a, a visit, my whole energy field changes anyway, and so it just makes my reiki more powerful. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I just call the space Reiki. I mean, whatever, whatever, you know, because they 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 have so much energy, and so you know when I, you know, if I had my last visit 
was on July 4th. And prior to that, it had been years. Hmm. And, uh, I mean, I felt like the next day, I felt like I could fly. I had so much energy. Hmm. And I gave some people some Reiki maybe about two weeks after that visit. And they were like, my God, your hands are burning up. Or, boy, that, boy, I don't have that pain anymore. <clears throat> Pardon me. So I was, I just call it space Reiki now because, you know, you can't have contact with them and not have something shift. Yeah, yeah. So when did you actually take your Reiki? Uh, when did you become been, a Reiki master then? I've been practicing Reiki since 1991. Oh, wow. I became a Reiki master in 19, uh, around 1993. Wow. That's, um, that's, uh, hmm, that's a while. fabulous. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, um, it's, uh, it, it just, it just accelerated my spiritual growth. Hmm. All of this stuff has. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I heard about Reiki in 1990 when I was actually uh, when I was traveling around Europe. A friend of mine took it and and gave me Reiki, but I was uh, yeah, it's funny. I was thinking about it way back then, and then I didn't uh, you know I didn't take it until 23 years later. Right, but it was the right time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always the right time. I mean, I don't have a practice like I do, like I did in New York. I mean, I got my table. I'd hop in a cab and. You know, I'd have, I had like a little practice. Here I use it but maybe with people from my congregation mm-hmm. who are ill or they come by and I don't charge them. Um, but because I'm trying to supplement my income, I may, I may change that and maybe just start advertising a little more mm-hmm. and see what, what comes along with that. Hmm. So, um... What else are you planning on doing in the near future? Well, um, uh, Brian Cannard at Grave Publications, which is uh, my publisher, he's, he, he mentioned the other day, he said, well, maybe it's time for another book. <laughs> I, I, I just don't know when or what to write on. I was thinking about maybe writing a book on relationships or a book of prayers. It'll come to me. But basically, I've been trying to help this this church to grow. Uh, I'm the minister at a a UU congregation here in Black Mountain, North Carolina. And uh, I just signed a a two-year contract with this congregation. And um, I just want to help the church to grow, continue to work with ancient aliens as long as they'll have me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to do maybe attend more UFO conferences next year. I have a guy named Mark Eddy who's been a, uh, a really a brilliant and committed publicist. So we've been trying to get uh, see what we can do for perhaps 2014, 2015, um, and get the word out even more. And then we'll see what what comes up. I do get a lot of calls. I got a, uh, a, a, in, in contact. I got a, an email from a woman from Spain the other day who had seen me on an uh, episode of Ancient Aliens and people want to talk and uh, or write and I'm open to that. want people to, um, if, I'm, if I can be a resource, to, then to use me as that resource. Oh, I wanted also, guys, just to take a minute, if I might, just to tell people where they can get the book. 
Oh, oh, oh for sure. Course. Yeah, we're going to link to all that in the show notes for sure. Okay, but yeah, great. but but say great. that uh, yeah, for oh, sure. Well, you know, you can get it the the, the book is $9.89. You can get it at Barnes and Nobles. You can get it, you know, online. You can get it uh uh you know, at uh, amazon.com. The Kindle or Nook edition is 4.99. And you can go to, again, to Amazon or Barnes and & Nobles, and you can purchase the book that way. If you want to get in touch with me, you can go to Facebook, um, Alien Scriptures, Michael, Reverend Michael J.S. Carter. You can do that on Facebook, or you can go to my website, which is michaeljscarter.com. Cool. Not on the Twitter yeah. yet? You know, I'm a little slow in the uptake with all the technology. Yeah, me too. I'm not on Twitter yet either. Darren I'm not is, on but Twitter. I'm not, uh, I'm not yeah. doing a Twitter thing yet. Yeah, yeah, future. I'm just not on it yet. Yeah. So are you thinking about going to the UFO Congress in, uh, what is it, February 2014 in Arizona? Prob probably not. Um, I've already, you know, uh, that's why Mark and I were looking for a year out. Um, oh, right, okay. Yeah, my obligations to the church. I have to. Um, I, I'm in the pulpit at least <laughs> for four months. I'm in the pulpit three Sundays a month, January, February, March, and June. Wow. So I have to. I have to be. I have to be at my con with my congregation then. Yeah. But maybe next year we'll see. Maybe 2015. Yeah. I think uh, actually, I think you were just uh, you were back on Ancient Aliens. I think just this last episode or the episode before. You know, um, I've been on. I, I, I've I've shot several of them. When I was in New York, I was in New York in June to shoot uh, some episodes, and then in September, and they break them up. I mean, I haven't seen them. There's one on. I'm waiting for them to send me the DVDs. There's one on the Ark of the Covenant, which I haven't seen yet. There's an episode on the number three. There's an episode on magic. And those are the three episodes that I taped in um, in September. They're still um, showing old episodes of uh, angels and sacred places. I'm on an episode of that. And um, Angels and Aliens was the very first episode I ever did for them. So there's several episodes. Recently, I, I, I just helped them kick off their sixth season. Yeah, that's that's right. Season episode one, I think, right? Season six. Yeah, yeah. So I haven't seen them. Usually, I fall asleep, or and they're <laughs> supposed to send me the uh, they're supposed to send me the uh, the the, the, the uh, uh, DVDs for those shows, just so I can have you know for my own personal uh, to show them the people that kind of thing. Um, but I, I, I'm really thinking about what I can follow up with, with, with another book. I want to keep it on the same topic. Yeah, I was on, I was on season five of Ancient Aliens. <laughs> Hardly. <laughs> we were at a conference and, uh, and they were taping Ancient Aliens and, and Darren was uh, at the front yapping quite a bit. I think he got caught on film a couple times. I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a fun show. I mean, uh, you know, they 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 can stretch it too. I mean, oh, yeah. but uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, but you know, at least it's out there. 
I, I, I particularly like, you know, when they when they tie the religious aspect into it. Because to be honest with you guys, I don't really care about propulsion systems or, you know, how do they fly. And I mean, I'm sure that's really important. But for me, and maybe it's just being a clergy person, I'm very interested in how we interact with each other after these contacts. What, if anything, changes? What changes in our consciousness on how we relate to each other and the planet? For me, that's the be-all, end-all. Hmm. That's interesting. I, I totally get that. I, that's kind of what interests me most about ufology and, and all this stuff is the so, sort of the social uh, impact of it all. Yeah, me too, the social, cultural, and even political impact. I mean, I mean there's... Uh, you know, there's a there, there's there's a part of legend that says when the Roswell crash happened, they found a Hebrew Bible on board one of the craft. Hmm. See, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I love that kind of stuff because I mean, these beings have been around. They 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 they've been around for a millennium. And they, I feel, you know, they have definitely, in my mind, influenced our religions. Hmm. They have definitely influenced our religions. And you figure back then, a primitive people um, needing some uh, uh, some type of guidance. Now, I think that the, again, the, that Yahweh is an astronaut, and I think that he's he's very human. He has a bad temper. He's he's taking people into other lands. I mean, he's he's a problem, but he's not God. It'd what kind a, of God? What kind of God would do that? What kind of God would have you kill men, women, and children? It would be interesting to see uh, the the in, initial message from them and how it's been distorted over time through the actual uh, institution of religion. Well, I think we see it now. I think we see it now. Any, 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 whether it's us and them, uh, and you know, I mean, we're taking, I mean, you look at the Ten Commandments, uh, or, or some people may say the Ten Suggestions, and the point is this. Uh, first of all, there were like 213 or 613 commandments originally. We got it down to to 10, and of course adultery is still in, even though people may not, may, may not care, but the point being is just that uh, those commandments were for the Jewish people to other Jewish people. You didn't covet your neighbor's belongings. The, in Hebrew, is not thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not murder. You know, those commandments were how you deal with other Hebrews. You, it's, it's not how you dealt with the Goyim or the uncircumcised ones, <laughs> you see. So, 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 so even those commandments are us versus them. I am your God. I am Yahweh. I chose you. You are different from all these other folks. They have other gods, but you are my people, and I am your God. Well, that's already us versus them. Yeah, yeah. And that's coming from an astronaut. And that's what goes on today. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see how, you know, that there's these there's still a few tribes out there in like South America and maybe in even in like Southeast Asia Asia and shit that 
that really are still living off the land and have really no, almost no contact with civilization. Um, mm -hmm. As it were, like you see them on Discovery Channel once in a while, yeah. how they're like flying around. And, you know, it'd be interesting to kind of infiltrate their camp and, and see if they've got, you know, stories or, or legends and to see what they'd say about maybe our airplanes or, you know, our satellites that they see flying around and, and things sure. like that. Sure, sure. That technology, uh, because it broaches the question, is technology magic? Uh, you know, and to certain, I'm sure to our ancestors, to, to Moses and to Abraham and to Sarah, I mean, our, you know, you pull out a cell phone in front of one of them. <laughs> I mean, if you could go it's back in time, magic. I mean, that's, that's godlike. Yeah, it's magic. And so if it's, if it's magic, is there really such a thing as the supernatural or is it just laws of the universe that we're just not aware of yet? What do you think about the uh, the thought maybe that it could be like like we were just talking about these tribes with no human contact that that perhaps back then there was just like some people would call it an Atlantean civilization that was maybe just light years ahead and they were kind of just dropping in almost like the the cargo cults you seen pop up back in World War Two. Well, I, I feel, you know, obviously people would debate it. Plato talks about Atlantis at great length. But, I mean, um, these these civilizations were real. And, and, and I think we ignore that our pearl, at our pearl because we could wind up like Atlantis. I mean, Atlantis was what? Uh, techno, had the great technological prowess, and, you know, they had the law of one. And, but when they, when they went away from that, and, you know, they had all the crystal power and the solar power, but, but somehow they got away from all that, and they destroyed themselves. Hmm. Darren, did you have a, a question about uh, oneness? Yeah, I was going to talk, we were talking kind of before we, we popped into the interview about how you, I, I, I kind of got, you were saying something about how it's all about, how it's all all one, and I kind of, ha I've had experiences like that on um, on su substances like psilocybin mushrooms and stuff, and I was just kind of wondering where sure. you fall in on, on things like that, on the psychedelic experience, and, and you know, mm -hmm. how, how profoundly spiritual of an impact that can have on people. I think they can. I mean, we, you know, our indigenous folk have, have long used this in, in ritual, not just as recreational, but, you know, there's a definite intent that we want to use mushrooms or any other hallucinogenics or psychedelics. Uh, I, I, you know, I think that one, it, it opens up one's awareness. I don't say that one definitely has to do that in order to, in order to experience this oneness, but just to know that we are. I mean, quantum physics is telling us this. This is not anything new, even though people call it new age. There's nothing new under the sun. This is wisdom that all the sage, sages of the ages have been trying to tell us, that we are one. And that Atlantis called it the law of one. Of course, Edgar Cayce. There's some. There's the Book of Ra, which is uh, uh, forget who who wrote it, but she's channeling. Uh, they're channeling an extraterrestrial who talks about the law of one. Dr. King talked about the interdependent web of which we're all a part. My own denomination acknowledges it. No matter what words we use or vocabulary or nomenclature we use, what we're saying is is that I can't be who I ought to be until you are who you ought to be. 
and you can't be who you ought to be until I am who I ought to be. And this is just the way of the world. This is just the way of the cosmos. It's, it's a universal cosmic law. It's just like if I jump off this building, I'm going to uh, fall on the ground and go splat. Well, that's the law. I don't know how to, to, to shake that now. But my point being is, you know, whether you want to call it karma or you reap what you sow or blow back or do unto others, what you put out comes back. Mm-hmm. And so these are just karmic laws. And the, 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 the largest cosmic law, I believe, is, is, is oneness. It's oneness. I'm not just talking about in a, a theological sense of Trinitarian versus Unitarian. No, but that there's what I do to me, I do to you. Yeah. And um, we forget that uh, uh, Neil Walsh talks about it a lot in his conversation with God series. Uh, this whole idea of when we bought into separateness and separateness buys into uh, competition and buys into lack and buys into there's not enough. There's not enough love to go around. There's not enough codependency to go around. There's just not enough. There's the scarcity. And, and that's why we're at each other's throats because if you have that means i get less yeah and i've we even believe that. i've even heard guys like uh, dr chris ryan talk about how he thinks that threshold was kind of crossed when we went from hunter gatherer to farming mode yeah i mean i mean who knows it's, it's certainly uh worth thinking about but but also worth thinking about is how can we reconnect to that because we, we, well we're going to have to in order to to survive as a species do you think because that's possible without some sort of uh, cataclysm or, or collapse of some kind? I, I would like to think that it is possible. I mean, you know, Gandhi says that everything we do is insignificant, but we must do it anyway. So um, I think it is possible. Um, I'm not saying that it, it's probable, but it is possible. And as long as it's possible, then it's worth trying to do. And if it doesn't happen, at least I can say I, I gave it a shot. Mm-hmm. Have you seen? I, so you've been at this, you know, um, geez, over twenty years. How much yeah. have what what you've I suppose gone through in the in the last couple of decades? Has it been I guess fairly encouraging? What you've seen kind of open up and and where things are going. You know, it's a great question. I, well, everything is perception, isn't it? The Course of Miracles tells us that, right? For, uh, projection makes perception. It depends on how you look at life. Is it half full? Or is the glass half full? Or is it half empty? I tend to look at things from a more optimistic point of view. Yes, the planet is a mess. But it's going to have to be a mess in many ways because we're going through a new period. We're going into a new paradigm. And so the old ways have to be gotten rid of, and that's the hardest thing to do. People cling to the old because, with all their might because of fear. And so I, and, and, and I'll give you a more tangible level. I know in my heart that three to five years ago, we would have bombed Syria back into the Stone Age. And Obama and 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 Kerry and 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 you know you know Obama's Caesar now and and all you know our republic which is 
you know, I think we're an empire. But my point being is the reason that we haven't bombed Syria is not because we want to be nice people and we want to be uh, fair and diplomatic. I'm sure some of that is in there. But you know what? We're not bombing them because they know that the American people are not going to stand for another war right now. Yeah, and you got to wonder that, how much that, the magic of technology. Change. That's change. That is change. Yeah, and you got to think how much the the advent of like social media and things like that plays a part too. Like how magical technology can help. I know, I don't know almost connect and bring the voice of the people out more than than it could back, you know, even fifty years ago. Yeah. So to me, that's change because I know my government. And I know if there was a way we could have done that and, 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 and convinced the American people why we need to be there, I mean, my God, there's, there's oil. You know, we love oil. Um, we, would have been, we would have been there. But we haven't been there. And it's not just because our government wants to be altruistic. It's because they know that the pushback that they would get would be significant. That's evolution. Is it slow and tedious? Of course it is. But that's change. So you mentioned uh, Neil Donald Walsh's books. I've I've read those. Uh, well, not the whole series because there's quite a few now. But it's quite um, a few now, but yeah. I found it uh, just fascinating. Yeah, I, I love his stuff, and and I'd read it for a while, and then I got rid of it, yeah. and then a friend of mine lent me the whole series, and yeah. I forget. Yeah back to him and yeah I mean, I mean is he talking to God who knows but it, it's the wisdom there exactly like that, that's the, that's that, the yeah. thing is he calls it conversation with God which which makes it sound you know religious but um, it's such it's just so uh, it's rich. it makes it's so much so sense rich. it's rich it makes so much sense it's so spiritual and in a in a real like openness and oneness and it just it's so uh, accepting of of everything right and people yeah, yeah. they poo poo channeling all the time yet if if this guy you know uh i think there was a documentary about him but the if he is channeling that it it's just uh i don't know it, it kind of makes sense to me well i mean even if he's channeling aspects of his higher self it yeah, doesn't exactly. make it any less valid however i mean there's some channeling stuff you have to just be discerning with yeah yeah. Because that's the thing with channel stuff. There's no, there's no way to verify it. Yeah. Except, you know, but look at the great channels, uh, the Seth books, you know, the Michael books. I mean, of course, Neil, doing all, this is pretty much kind of like automatic writing that yeah. he's doing. Yeah. And, and, if it, and that's the only, I mean, if it's resonating with you on some level, then there's some truth to it. Yeah. I mean, I've read some channel books where I was just so sorry I, I purchased them. <laughs> yeah. You know, but uh, um, I, I think it's wonderful. And and I can tell you that I, I, I use some of that stuff from the pulpit. And again, I don't know if you know the history of Unitarian uh, Universalism, but especially Unitarianism, very highbrow, um, uh, uh, overly intellectual, overly analytical. This is the stereotype of at least not the Universalist side, but the Unitarian side. And I, you know, I bring up things, channel, you know, of course, and miracles is channel material and they don't bat an eye mm -hmm. now 10 15 years ago I, they probably would go why is he here and what is he saying mm -hmm. Hmm. because because you know it's 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 kind of a right-brained experience it's about opening up your heart chakra yeah huh. 
So um, can I ask you a question that's completely off topic? Yeah. Um, I saw this TV show. It's like four seasons long, I believe, called mm-hmm. The Wire. And it was based in Baltimore. In Baltimore, yeah. Yeah. And I just wondered with you kind of growing up there, it seemed like such a real... It's a rough town. A rough town mm-hmm. and a real, like yeah. that, that show just, it just, it's uh, very it, was, it, was, yeah. it was, it was really heavy. And yeah, it's very heavy. Well, my brother was murdered in Baltimore and he was murdered on the east side of Baltimore, which I think where a lot of that takes place. And he was mar- uh, murdered by someone who was a, a crackhead. Wow. Um, they never caught the guy who did it. They saw two guys fleeing the scene. They robbed him and shot him in the head five times. Wow. Yeah, Baltimore is a very rough town, especially inner city Baltimore. Um, and of course you have a lot of young African-American men, um, you know, making money off the drug trade. You know, why do I have to go to school and wind up working at a McDonald's when I can make more money than God by selling, you know, narcotics? But, uh, you know, we know that that doesn't end well. Uh, you know, there's you, you, on a summer day, if you're in East Baltimore, you, you go, my God, either these people are in Vietnam or something. I mean, you see a lot of paraplegics and uh, guys in wheelchairs and stuff who have just been shot during the drug trade. Wow. Sorry to hear about your brother. Those were killed. Oh, yeah, thank you. That was back in 1995. Did, did that um, experience there change your, like, the whole Baltimore experience? I mean, that must have uh, had profound sort of effect on you or... It did have a profound effect. I mean, and my 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 ex brother in law was murdered two years ago in broad daylight in Brooklyn. Uh, he got beat up. He, was, he sold coins, gold coins, and they, and people followed him thinking he had the coins on him, and of course he didn't. But he was beaten to death. You know what it did for me? Obviously, with my brother and even my brother in law, because my ex brother in law were very close. Um, but and with my brother obviously the great sense of loss but what it reminded me of is just how fragile life is and also that anything can happen to anybody at any time and to really try and appreciate what you got and yeah and the I mean, anything can happen to anybody my brother-in-law you know he's on the cell phone asking his wife what she wants him to bring home for dinner she hears him struggle and go help and they, he, you know, some people saw some guys abduct him, put him in a car, beat him in the back seat. There was a good Samaritan who tried to follow the car, got lost in traffic, but said they saw people hitting him in the back seat. Um, and then they tossed him out of the car. So one minute he's saying, "Honey, what do you want me to bring home?" And a couple minutes later, he's in another dimension. Wow. You know, my brother gets shot and robbed. Um, in the head five times, hopefully the first one just did it. But, uh, you know, you know, you, you know, when you, when you leave your house in the morning, there's no guarantee that you're coming back. It doesn't have to be from something extreme like that. It could be a car accident. It could be anything. You could be on a plane, you know? And so it, it just drove home the fact that this life, you know, you want to enjoy you want to appreciate you want to live it it's precious yes 
Um, before we before we wrap up, I, I wouldn't mind going back to some of your uh, your contactee experiences, if if you don't mind. Yeah, well, I'll I'll, I'll tell you my the very first one, uh, December twenty eighth, nineteen eighty nine, coming back from Mexico, uh, the Yucatan Peninsula to see the pyramids in Chichen Itza and Tulum. Um, a friend of mine had invited me to a little party, and I didn't want to go, but I promised him I'd come. It was freezing and in New York, and, you know, just got gotten back from uh, Mexico uh, the day before, actually the day of, because we always used to try to get back uh, by New Year's. I guess back and, then you could climb on the Chichen Itza and what's it not still probably, eh? Yes, you could. Yeah, we you were did, just yeah. there last January, and now it's all, they're pretty tight there now, it sucks. Oh, yeah, but it was wonderful, I can tell you that. Yeah. And uh, come home and uh, go to bed and, and get up, wake up in the middle of the night, and my room is lit up like Times Square, and I looked at the edge of my bed. Now, my girlfriend at the time was out. And that happens a lot. If you're if you're with someone and you're you're the one that they they're interested in, the other person is just out. Hmm. They can't wake up, and they can't wake up, or they don't. Um, and uh, this being just looked at me, and I and it had the pear shaped head, chalk white skin, Ray Ban eyes, uh, metallic kind of jump close fitting jumpsuit on, and um, I pulled the covers up over my head. <laughs> I did. I remembered. I just pulled the covers up over my head, and I was like, oh, my God. And then I felt, I heard this whoosh, you know, like this whirlwind in my ears, and I saw the temperature change at, at, like, like I was outside. And I, I forced my eyes open, and I was back in, I was back in my bed. Wow. And, and, and then and every, the room was dark? It was, it was like it was like nothing ever happened. Wow. Did you and notice every, temperature change? Yeah. Yeah, there was a temperature change. It was like I was outside for a minute. Yeah. Now, time can be manipulated. Who knows? I could have been on a ship or whatever. But I know I left that room. But I opened my eyes again. Boom. I, nothing ever happened. Hmm. Just still. Uh, and then for every full and new moon, for about eight months after that, they would come. And even even to this day, I still sleep with the light on till the very last minute. Hmm. And again, it's not because I'm afraid of them. It's just that shock of now. Um, and then I was having all these visitations. Sometimes they would come in my room, and one of them would have like a little hoodie on, you know. But but they would talk to me through telepathy. They would show me pictures in my head of what they of what they were trying to communicate me to wow. to see. Um, most recently, I remember once they stuck a syringe in the back of my head, in that soft spot where the where your neck meets the top of your brain. Your brain. We're both you know feeling the back of our necks right now. <laughs> yeah, you know that little. It's right where the the base of your skull hooks up with your neck. Mm -hmm. I, they stuck me with a needle there. Hurt like I don't know what, and I remember screaming in the middle of the night, and I remember my uh, uh, my girlfriend waking up at the time going, "What the hell is going?" On? And I said, "They were here. They stuck me in my neck." And I and I said, "You can't do that. You can't do this." And 
about a week or two later, they came in my room. And I, I, I was just, I just, I opened my eyes and I saw them. And then I closed my eyes and I got really, really tight, like I was shrinking inside myself. And I felt a little prick, a little prick at the top of my skull. And they showed me a picture of a little syringe. It was so gentle. And for me, it was their way of saying, we heard you the first time. We didn't mean to hurt you, oh, wow. but this was it. Um, they showed me some past life stuff and, and, uh, and a, uh, as a monk, you know, with the rope belt and the hoodie and the bald head, I mean, Benedictine kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, they, uh, uh, when I was in Boston, I used to do a lot of work in Boston with the Unitarian Church, and one night they came to me there, and they, um, they, they, they showed me uh, a picture of two prayer, two hands in prayer with a lightning bolt in between. And they had a little picture of an ET pointing, like as if to say, Michael, look at what I'm showing you. And I just took it to mean that I need to pray, um, you know, with the Reiki, just pray for healing energy with my healing energy, mm -hmm. that I could heal by prayer. And so I got away from that after a while, but I'm, I'm back into it now. Mm -hmm. um, they came to my apartment. I was in New York for the World Trade Center debacle and um uh they came shortly after uh, well they actually they i was visited um a couple days after that and it was all one of them patted me on my head as if to say you'll be okay it was just a very endearing type thing and then i didn't see them for years hmm. i saw them at 9 49 um, PM on July 4th of this year. I had a blood clot gentleman that was as long as my leg. And this was up, uh, this was in March and it was a lot of stress. My, my wife and I had separated, uh, which we, we still are separated. We're talking about reconciling. We have a seven year old. My dad had died. I had to fly back to New York to bury him knowing that when I flew back from New York, my wife and I were going to separate oh. a lot of grief, a lot of feelings. Um, I lost my job as a diversity, as a chaplain and a diversity consultant at a major hospital here. So it was like, what, what, could, what else could go wrong? And anyway, um, it was the best thing that happened to me, this blood clot. I was on Coumadin uh, for several months. And, I, and when I first got the blood clot, because I didn't know it was clotting, I had to inject myself with something called a nexaparin in my stomach twice a day to kind of thin the blood and to dissolve these uh, clots. But to make a long story short, I had a lot of friends who were in Vietnam and close friends. And so um, it was a very cloudy, overcast night. And my wife and daughter like to go to fireworks displays, but I don't go anymore. I just, it just doesn't do anything for me. But they had canceled them because of the thunderstorms and what happened in the area. And I felt, I mean, I, I heard all this thunder outside. And um, I remember, I remember thinking to myself, this must be what it was like when my friends were in Vietnam, because they would say, you would have to grab maybe three, four hours sleep, and it could be incoming artillery. But you know, you just got used to it, but you had to get some rest. And I remember thinking that, and I was lying on my stomach, and the room got very quiet, and I felt this zip, 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 like this electricity in my body, like I was being zapped. And I turned around, and, and then the being, it was, it was my little large-headed friend, and he dissolved, or she dissolved, right in the molecules right in front of me. Okay. The next day, 
my blood clot is completely dissolved. Wow. Gone. Gone. I go to the doctor. The doctor wants to know what happened. <laughs> I didn't tell them this, of no. course. I just said, well, the Coumadin's working and blah, blah, blah. And they were like, well, wait a minute. No, no, but it was just big. I mean, my leg was swollen. I'm a very thin person. I have like... I'm built like these African runners, you know, I'm not really, Sleek. yes, and so, but my, with the clot, my, you would have thought I was LeBron James, I mean, my calf, my leg was so huge, but right after that, and I wish I had taken a picture with my cell phone, but I showed my wife and child, and they just could not believe it, but it was gone, the veins looked like they were wrapped uh, brand new, I told my doctor, I don't want to take Coumadin anymore. This was at 9.49 a.m. on July 4th of this year. I hadn't seen them in years. Wow. That's amazing. So yeah, and, what, they, and they healed my leg. Do you ever wonder if there's any, any chance it's just maybe um, an aspect of your, your subconscious kind of maybe helping you, 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 you kind of deal with things or, I don't know, almost like maybe you have that power within you to heal yourself already? I'm sure I do, but I mean, I'm, these are beings that are three-dimensional, and they touch me, and I touch them. That's not my subconscious. That's another being. Right. What about yeah. um, extra-dimensional? Do you ever consider anything like that? I mean, I consider it, and, and, and you know, I, I guess it doesn't really matter to me where they're from. They do come here, but they come in ships. And so I have to, I guess what I'm trying to say is those things are possible and I'm sure they happen to other people, but I can only relate to you what's happening to me. Yeah. 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 And, and for me, my friends come in ships and they touch me and I touch them. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't ask them where they come from. I, I just kind of, whatever they need me to do. Um, I know my spiritual growth has accelerated. Mm -hmm. I do, I do have a sense of mission. Um, and, and I, and part of that mission is to get the word out that these particular folk are not here to take us over. They are not here to, you know, take your babies and make hybrids. They're here to assist us in our evolution and go to the next step of who, of what it means to be human and what it means to be uh, part of a galactic federation. Uh, for me, as a diversity, a professional diversity person, this is just an extension of my job because mm -hmm. the universe is teeming with life and it's diverse life. And we as human beings have a hard time dealing with the diversity on our planet. So you know it's going to be an even greater challenge to deal with the diversity that lives in our, in, in just in this universe, in our backyard. Wow. That's well said. One quick question, going back to one of your contact experiences or that, that needle or syringe in the back of your oh, neck yeah. that you're talking about. Did, did you have a feeling or a thought about what that was or what the purpose of it was? I, I how can I say it? what I got from it was, it was just, my own psychic and intuitive abilities were enhanced. I mean, I always saw the human aura, even when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I thought everybody could see it, but I, I always saw auras around people, the energy field around people. That was enhanced. My, my intuition um, was enhanced, but also I felt more intelligent. I felt like I could absorb uh, a lot of information in a very uh, rapid way. I just, I don't know, I, the only way I could, I felt like I was more intelligent. That's the best way I can put that. Now, I know if you look, you know, I know if you Google it or whatever, I think there's such, you can reach your pituitary gland that way, too. Hmm. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. yeah. Um, the, 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 the needle in the top of my head was just my crown. I just figured that was just an easier way for them to communicate with me. Yeah, through your crown chakra or something. Yeah, through the crown chakra. But in the back there, I thought they could try to get into my pituitary. And who knows, it could have been just an implant, too. Because, you know, no matter where, I mean, they when I was in New York, of course, they knew where I was. When I moved around in New York, they knew where I was because they would visit. Um, when I when I went to Boston for, for work, they found me in Boston. Now I'm in the mountains of Western North Carolina, and they found me here. So I'm sure there's some type of... Not unless they do it by, by vibration. I don't know what technology they use, but they know where to find me. Yeah, you could have a, your own signature vibration, really, that, uh, that they can yeah. sense. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Well, wow, that's just fascinating stuff. I guess we should probably start uh, wrapping it up or, or finish wrapping it up. I want to thank, thank you for, uh, for spending so much time with us. And, thank and, you, guys. And, it's and, my pleasure. And being so honest and open with, uh, with you know, letting us ask whatever we want and answering it. Uh, honestly, it's very, very refreshing, and that's nice. Well, you asked some wonderful questions that I can tell you, um, and, 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 and I, well, I guess I, I, I wouldn't be going out on a limb that these were the most, these were the best questions I've had people ask me. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, for anybody yeah, that's, that's still listening to your, your, uh, jump out and get your book, Alien Scriptures, and uh, we'll, we're going to link to all that in the show notes, your, uh, your website and, and the book. And, and is there anything else that you think we should uh, tell people? Just to keep looking up and uh, don't let anybody try to tell you that love is not the most powerful force on this planet and any other planet. Funny, that's the, uh, I remember at Paradigm, Giorgio was saying uh, something along those lines. Really, Giorgio on the show? Yeah, yeah, Giorgio yeah. Sukalos, yeah. Yeah, 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 love is, love is still revolutionary. Don't let people talk you out of it. Well, yeah, well, again, uh, thanks, thanks a lot for coming on. We wish you uh, the best of luck down the road. Oh, thank you, guys. And, you know, if you want to get, contact me again, please do. And, and so you guys going to send the link? You betcha. Yeah, we'll send the oh, link and, and, uh, and say thanks to Mark Eddy for us, too. And uh, we'll, oh, I will. we'll send him a copy of the link, too. All right, guys. Take care. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, well, that was our chat with uh, Reverend Michael Carter. What would you think, Darren? 
Uh, good. Yeah, I, I learned uh, learned a few things, so that's always the best part. He was a, he was a great chat. He was super super fun to talk to. That's for sure. And uh, and hopefully we can have him on again in the future because it seemed like we were just kind of scratching the surface. Yeah, it was cool to chat with him about lots of commonalities we have and kind of a spiritual guy and into Reiki at one point and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, and of course the book is uh, Alien Scriptures, Extraterrestrials and the Holy Bible. Um, we'll link to uh, to where you can buy it in the show notes, of course, and uh, go ahead and uh, and check it out. I think this is the the second release with uh, with a bunch of new stuff in it. So yeah, so we'll link to everything, and and we have uh, one of our favorite podcasters coming up next week. Yeah. Alex uh, Takaris from Skeptico. Some of you guys might have heard him. He's the guy that fights a good battle against uh, against uh, the dogmatic the dogmatic people talking about the duality of consciousness and stuff. Right? Yeah, and then we've got some great great people lined up after that coming down the pipe as well. And and and, and then some other uh, interesting news we had is uh, I think we're going to fire up a little mini Indiegogo campaign here. Um, for a little bit of cash to get uh, a little bit of a Grimerica store going um, where we might have flags and uh, toques. Shirts and toques. Shirts yeah. and maybe hoodies. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, when we get it up, of course, I'll probably put a link to it. That'll be something easy like Grimerica slash store or something like that. Um, or, of course, we'll probably we'll link to it on the site, of course, so you guys can check that out. Uh, basically, basically, it'll be like pre-buying merchandise. So, yeah, if you have any ideas for shows, any ideas for any questions for our guests, email them to me or Darren, graham at com, and darren at grahamerica.com. Uh, hate mails at feedback.grahamerica.com. The motherfucker. Feedback.com. Grimerica at Grimerica.ca. You don't even have to say it because we don't get any hate mail. So we did once, did one we? one time. <laughs> it was that one time. Uh, Twitter, you can find us at Grimerica, and um, just search Grimerica on Facebook. You'll find us there as well. We'll have all the stuff in the show notes. Yeah, uh, as well as all the, any music we played. Um, Looks like the psilocybin episode is pretty well done. Um, it's just a matter of when it's going to get released. So um, probably I would I would say by the end of the month for sure. Anyways, it's been good, buddy. It's been another uh, another fun episode. Okay, guys, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. We are the ones you like. we have a good